0: Hi, my name's Ethan, and this is Uncommon.
1: Uncommon is a production focused on the why of business, media and marketing. It's made by my team at Nural, a digital agency for challenger brands and talent. To learn more, just visit Nural.com. That's N-E-U-R-A-L-L-E.com. Alright, so my guest this week is Ethan from July. Co-founder, you know. co-founder of July, co-everything. Do you know um, the first note I did was, uh, "What's going to happen with July in July?" Because it's two months, three months away. Are we on? Yeah. Well, this, uh,
0: this is this live, is yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> what's happening to July with
0: July in July. Mate, you know it's our month. It's our month. Last year in July, we, we were locked down. Lo- we were in lockdown. We we were we were dying a very slow death. If I can be very honest, Really? we were still in lockdown. We were doing almost zero sales. You know, from the beginning of lockdown, we were ninety five percent drop in revenue. Fuck. Uh, so we're talking like close to to zero. Um, you know, and it's funny at that stage. You know, you know when people talk about percentage growth, like fifteen hundred percent growth year on year, but when you already at zero, <laughs> the percentages don't mean anything. It reminds me like my dad used to say when I, when I turned eighteen. He's like, I'll give you, I'll double whatever you have for your first car. Whatever, whatever money you've got, I'll double it. Mm-hmm. And then he like looks at me with a laugh and says, do you know what double zero is? Zero, man. <laughs> You're not getting anything because you don't have anything. Yeah, right. So that was, that was his, that, <laughs> that, that's what that reminds me of. We, we had nothing. So the growth can't even be expressed in percentages because we were literally at zero dollars. Yeah. So last, last July was, uh, well, the lead up to that July we had decided that we were going to expand internationally.
1: It, the lead up to it. So how long ahead are we talking? I think about? we were in April,
0: March, April. We said, like, we're running out of money. We need to do something. Yeah. So, uh, so we had just launched the, the Carry-On light, which was the lightest double-wheel Carry-On in the world mm-hmm. at 1.8 kilos. This was part of our, like, something to do during COVID, launch new product. We got a lot of press for it. It was a really, really good product, really, really good launch, great creative, um, all the things are really nice for it, but obviously not, not that many sales. So we're like, okay, well, we've got the PR success for this thing. What's, what do we do with it? Now that we're not selling in Australia, everyone's mandated lockdown, we can't leave the country, no one's traveling. What do we do? So we looked at other budget airlines, I'm giving you the long story by the way, this no, is it's the extended. Right? So you know, we looked at other budget airlines, we knew like Europe was a big budget airline Travel industry and they like light luggage. They really want something super light as they're flying Ryanair and EasyJet uh, so they don't have to pay any more than their 50 euro trip between Athens and Brussels. Mm. So we were like, okay, we're going to launch in the UK. We'd spent like two, three weeks briefing the team, UK, 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 <laughs> let's get this done. Yeah. And uh, on our way to lunch, we're having uh, Akashiro Japanese down in Hollywood.
1: Love that place. It's
0: killer, right? And on our way there, we're like reading the news. UK goes into further lockdowns, like stricter lockdowns that they can't travel anymore.
1: <laughs>
0: well, we're not going to do that. Yeah. We're not going to launch in the UK only to be met with more, more, more trouble. So within that launch, we decided we were just going to flip to the US and spend the last of our money launching in the US for one big hurrah. Yeah. And just hope for the best. And it worked. Well, yeah, it worked, Right. So we did July one, you know, lots of PR, lots of media. Lots of product. Uh, we did whatever we could to to make it work, and that that July, I mean, we we smashed it. The, the Americans they love, love the product. They love shit. They love to spend money. They love to spend. Well, they love, they love spending it on us. At that particular period, it gave us the, a revenue boost. It gave us a confidence boost. Mm. Uh, July has always been a significant month for us because it's always the month that we like to do. We either do a promo or just it just feels like a significant holiday month. I mean, the business was named after people traveling. In that month, yeah. So, you know, it's always had a, a, a strong symbolism of, of growth and, and luck. <laughs> Last <laughs> year in particular, extremely <laughs> lucky. Yeah. So, so we launched July 1 in the US and it took off and arguably survived the business uh, through, the, through the revenue, through the momentum, Australia opened up. It just felt like it was win after win after a couple of years of really big losses. So, so you know, you ask me now, what's going to happen in July? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know, but I feel good about it. Whatever it is, whatever we come up with, okay. I feel really, I feel really, really good about it because it's,
1: it's a special month for us. Something magical always happens in July. It's good to know though that, and this is the reality of it sometimes, is that when you're playing catch up and you're running a business that moves fast in multiple ways, whether it's up or down, that, you know, you don't have to have, you can't ever have a 12 month, Type plan ahead of what you're doing for the, for that month, so to speak. It's like, uh, it's May. We should probably start thinking yeah. about July. <laughs> it's a bit like that. Yeah. It's a bit like that. Um, so w- when we think about the US, what were the ducks in a row in hindsight that you think you had to get sorted that gave you some element of success, which launched into what it, what it has become? Was it the PR, the marketing and something else? What were the most important components? There were, there, I mean, there was a lot of ambiguity around what we
0: should do for launch. Uh, we'd, we'd written a really, I mean, I would say like a light, but solid plan on what we should be focusing on. Uh, PR was definitely one of the biggest drivers for us. Mm. You know, it's one of those things where you can say, oh, look, it was an overnight success in the US only because we had spent three years developing product. Yeah, And so we had the product range we had the, the 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 color range we had the marketing we had the, the the pr backing we had all these things in place for them to go into the us and feel like it was very wouldn't say very easy but it feels like it worked mm. in in that july 1 launch uh you know if i could i mean if i could put it back to anything it's the fact that the product and the marketing were were in sync
1: mm-hmm.
0: uh, and it was it was attuned to what the americans were were looking for you know we were going into a climate where people wanted to travel again they were coming off like the the incumbents who were already there and established, and probably and and not as innovative in the sense of a product change.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, they were looking for something a bit different, and I think we provided that for them at the right time.
1: Yeah, right.
0: So we, you know, Just on top the
1: timing of timing of it, the timing of it. You
0: know, everything works for a reason. I guess in that sense, uh, we. Yeah, I mean, we were very lucky in in that sense. I mean, but the product was great. The personalization, they loved. Yeah. The fact that we do multilingual personalization as well. So, you know, for, for the Latino community, they could write theirs in Spanish. We have Chinese uh-huh. characters. Anyone with Romanized characters could actually can actually personalize in their language. Uh-huh. So You can do Romanian if you want, French, Italian, things like that. So personalization was a big play for us over there, and it worked really, really well, to the point where we were shipping product from Australia. So we were, you know, we were almost losing money on
1: every product. Yeah. So that was a question I had around the US is, so when you first launch a new market like that, you've obviously got to have your PR, like you said. So I don't know if you use Kate Dinnan for that market as well, or if it was a different PR firm, but she's amazing. You got to have a PR firm, you got to have your marketing and a specific landing page for US clients only. So I'm sure there were some adjustments there that needed to be made internally then there's the supply chain element, which because you guys do a lot of the last mile personalization and stuff like that. So you make it over in China, it comes local, that's done there, and then you ship it. How did you do that with the US market?
0: Yeah, I mean, we, we make, we assemble in China. We yep. obviously make products in other areas as well. Uh, and the materials from those products come from all over the world. Yep. And when it comes to warehousing and, and logistics, it's a similar global mix, mm-hmm. it it can go, uh, you know, we do 3PL out of Asia, we do 3PL out of the US as well now. Uh, we do 3PL in Australia and we also do our last, some last mod delivery
1: ourselves. Okay. So you, I'm assuming you used Asia for the 3PL? Well, it, it just,
0: it, it just depends, right? Especially for the, I mean, you're asking specifically for the US, yeah. we, uh, we, we tried to send as much product there as we could. Yeah. But there's also a limit to how much you can send and service mm. the market without knowing the growth, without having any data to back that up. So it was a, it was a test for us. It was like let's send as much as we can, let's launch as quickly as we can, and see how well the, the market responds to that kind of stuff. Mm. And it did so well that we ended up just defaulting and shipping from Australia in the end anyway. You know, so so there's not much you could do on that. We could just keep shipping product to the US. But it takes two months. shipping containers take a long time, and they're expensive at the moment. Yeah. so there's a lot of there's a lot of mixed things that that resulted in that at the end of the day. behind the curtain is always a bit messy while you're figuring things out,
1: yeah, but from the front, we were really glad
0: to see the demand
1: so you you guys went over you and Rich, and your families went over for a nice family trip to America recently no no, doubt. no
0: family, no, just rich and I, really? yeah. yeah. Oh,
1: I thought the family went over as well. I met my family in Singapore afterwards. Ah, okay, that makes yeah. sense. Yeah. So, what what have you done infrastructure wise to set up in the US? So we set up. Uh, we we formally set up warehousing over there
0: okay. to make things a lot easier. Yeah. Streamlining, uh, streamlining. Uh, you know, just shipping and processes and things like that. You know, we just met. We just met a few people. <laughs> I actually just wanted to go to the US and hang out a little bit. Okay. So no, I mean we went to New York. We had a great dinner. We had some some you know great great uh, great restaurant that uh, made Aaron introduce me to uh, Kiki's. in a, in Chinatown. There's an old laundromat in Chinatown. Yeah, right. Just quite cool. Uh, what else did we do? I mean we 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 hung out. We met some absolute great people, uh, potential investors. It's got a vibe in the market. Good e-commerce people. You know a lot of Aussies who have, who have moved there. Yeah. Doing really well over there in e com and and services and. Just branding and product. There's just a vibe over there, especially LA and New York. There's just Aussies who are doing things.
1: Yeah. It's like um, I've had this conversation with friends around like Sydney, they feel is like a very entrepreneurial city. Like a lot of friends have moved to Sydney for that and then they go and then move to LA and they say it's just, it's another world. There's a very, you know what I mean? There's that vibe. Uh, They can't describe it. I've not been there, so I couldn't say what it is, but yeah. The hustle is real the hustle in hustle, yeah, yeah,
0: it's great. It's a beautiful place. Yeah. The,
1: the weather's lovely. It's, it
0: just feels, good. It feels where's, really good. Where's
1: the warehouse in America? Did you go like L.A. or did you go somewhere it's in like- in Texas. Texas? Yeah, it's in Dallas. Cool. Yeah, because yeah, that, that Texas market has become massive for a lot of people leaving. Seems like a lot of people are going to, are going to Texas, yeah. you know, mainly Austin. Austin's sort of the place to live. Mainly Austin, but when you look at other parts of Texas, it is quite a beautiful place. There's other yeah.
0: places. Yeah, it's big. It's beautiful. Yeah, I don't know if Dallas—if I would describe no, Dallas as beautiful. <laughs> I think Dallas is a bit of a Dallas is a is a is a rough gem. Yeah, that that uh, needs a lot of romancing. But uh, but yeah, Dallas, Texas as a whole is quite nice.
1: How have you guys looked differentiate yourself in that market? Because when you look at it, you know you got away, which is better, just better. Just, just,
0: that's that's the that's the pitch. We're better.
1: Yeah. Um, how do we
0: differentiate? Mm. You know, there's a, there's an old marketing story around Hertz and Avis in the car rental yeah, market, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and nice. that Hertz was number one, and Avis always said, we well, we try harder, we're number two. Yeah, and um, and not to say that we're number two, but we definitely try, it. we definitely work harder than than a lot of other people in the category. Yeah, we are on the ground founders. We have a very tight, nimble team who are extremely hardworking people. Uh, we, we do whatever it takes to get product done, to get customer experience, perfect. We try everything ourselves and we're a very small, nimble team that do it. So do I know what, what we do to differentiate? Look, you know, we try and just make great products, but the team is what drives it. Mm. Uh, and I, I feel like that's, that's our secret sauce. Yeah. Yeah. The team. Not, not too, There's nothing special I can really tell you other than like the team is, is amazing. We're super solid. Very tight knit. Everyone gets involved in product development, creative ideas, helping with shipping and customer service. Like every single person.
1: There's, there's a. I don't know how because this is the thing that I've been reading. Um, do you know Byron Sharp? I don't ever heard of Byron Sharp. So I've had like um, all those big ad guys like Dan Monheit's been in regularly, but I love him. Um, we all love Dan. He's a, he's the most regular guest I think. Um, we had Mark Howerton. From Howtson and Cohen. It's a few other ad people coming in, and I really find it interesting. And they talk about different trends. And one of the things that they spoke about recently, and this is Mark in particular, was Byron Sharp. Byron Sharp speaks about evidence-based marketing and how that is sort of the new, not trend, but that is the new push within the realm of marketing that shows actual data and analysis on what by and large gets results for brands. And one of the things they speak about is branding whatever that is the logo the coloring the design of the product the people etc is the most important thing and sometimes you can't really quantify it but i would say when you look at july and you look at some of your competitors it's very distinct and you can sort of tap like i can very easily say that this is what july is when you look at it i just don't know what it is yet because it's a young brand right right so um yeah, I th- I definitely think that you guys have something unique. It's just it's it's a natural evolution. I mean, a brand is a is a promise, right? It's a shortcut to It's a shortcut. You see it, yeah. you see Coca-Cola on the shelf and you go, It's a caffeinated caramelly sort of drink. Yeah. And I I like this over these others. I mean, I I had this conversation last
0: night uh at dinner with a guy who was running a very successful sock business over in the US. Uh, you know, uh, Bombus is the, the sock brand. Uh, and they, I mean, a few hundred million, if not a billion in rev during COVID. Something crazy. Anyway, the, we were talking about brand and distribution and, and how like controlling the narrative, controlling distribution actually controls the story. And that's how you really cultivate a, a really strong brand. And that's true in some sense. It's true when you don't want to spend the money building brands in other ways. You can't, you know, to use your references, Coca-Cola, they use distribution on mass. You can get it at the worst milk bar. You can get it in the best restaurant. It doesn't alter how you see the brand at all because they spend so much money doing it in other places. Mm. Younger brands, D to C brands, newer brands don't really understand the concept of, of spending at that kind of awareness level. It really takes like an FMCG brand narrative to come in and go. This is how you do it properly. Yeah. This is how you translate what a brand means at scale, regardless of distribution, regardless of the small, regardless of the logo.
1: Yeah. And so, to your point, you basically can't rely on advertising the way, advertising and/or distribution the way that a large FMC brand will. Like the brand of July has to be something that doesn't exactly scale. Exactly scales like you got, you know. Th- there was a story a while ago of you. I remember. I think it was when you first came in for the interview. Like you were delivering packages to people. uh ourselves. Yeah, yeah. yeah. On the little back of the things, scooter. Yeah, little things like that. You, you just you got to do, and they just don't. You can't do that when you're at a Coca Cola. You can't, but like, I mean I guess my, my point was
0: a little bit more was a little bit the opposite that even if I wanted to do a Coca-Cola at this level of the business, I can't do it. Mm. You need the, the you need to be sponsoring four soccer teams globally no, around the world I, right I agree, I agree. to really translate to this point where I can distribute luggage in milk bars around the world in Brazil. Mm. like i can't get to that scale unless i'm at that scale yeah and that's not just a revenue thing there's a lot of startups who do that kind of revenue that
1: don't get to that brand level but if you ever had that money would you like because in the d2c brand like you've gone past the days relying on retailers is that the real way to to scale a brand and the the salience of july i mean what are the other options well, new, right, well, right products. Now, well, right
0: now it has to, it has to be this because this is the best way to yeah. cultivate the brand, but to scale up, to do what you need to do, marketing has to change. Brand vision has to change and the approach can be different. It can be different. Every, every day is a new day when mm. it comes to marketing brands. You know, there's, there's nothing wrong with not doing any social media and just doing TV if the audience is right.
1: Mm.
0: Very much so though, startups don't get down that path. Yeah. Whether it's a capital thing, it's probably more a DNA thing than anything else. Yeah. They don't understand the top level that you need to reach an audience, a specific audience on TV. Yeah. Or see the direct return. They feel like, you know, it's something, I think the stat was like 60% of all venture capital goes towards Facebook or Google. Yeah. yeah. Some like ridiculous amount of money. So you, you're you doing a startup, you get VC. The first thing you do is like, we need to, we need to bump up those ads. Yeah. You're not thinking about any other network outside of Facebook and, and Google or Facebook no other and channels, Instagram. Yeah. No
1: other channel. Maybe TikTok now, right? But within that world. But yeah. I feel like that's changed just with some brands recently. Like some brands may have realized it. Like I don't know if you've seen the wraps of like uh, Slack. Slack, I've seen them everywhere all over trams at the moment in the CBD. Because they really... Because you're on St. Kilda Road and their tram, their
0: office hits no. the St. Kilda Road tram. Is it? Yeah. I, Their office is in Carlton and they they get that, that straight line. I
1: wasn't the only one talking about this. Nick Hodges was talking about this as well in his, in his newsletter. He's like the brand, those tech brands have realized that you need more salience than just being on digital. You got to do other stuff. 100%. So, and he was specifically speaking about Slack um, and a few other venture funded brands that needed to get out there. And it's actually happened in the crypto world as well. Like, they have completely flooded, at least here locally, sport. Yeah. You know, like crypto.com now sponsors the AFL. Yeah. This Not for co- much longer, I don't think. You reckon? Yeah, I think they're about to get regulated. Really? I saw something. Yeah, no, I saw something. Um, Who knows? Good luck to them. Binance, I remember when Coinjar sponsored um, Melbourne, Binance would run competing LEDs at games. There's all those. like all, And then there's the local competitors like bdc.com.au and... Um, Coinjar. Well, Coinjar was running these LEDs, but then you get CoinSpot, you get every fucking name under the sun, they're running. It It was all that sport. The amount of pictures I got for like, hey, do you want to sponsor Ferrari? or I want,
0: EPL team. I wonder if the reason it's all about sport is that they're actually competing for the same audience with Sportsbet and crypto is really just another crypto. gambling,
1: <laughs> just really another gambling, you know, outlay, output. Potentially. Don't let Zoe hear you saying that though. <laughs> um, so uh, one of the things I wanted to ask is around around the brand is like, what is, what do you think's changed specifically since we last spoke? So the note I had here was, You were number 157 back in Feb 2020, so just before COVID, and I had Rich in April 2021, so episode 208. When I spoke to both of you at the time, it was all about being a, it was not not about being a luggage company, it was about being a travel company, and then fucking COVID happened. So how has that idea in your mind changed since COVID, and how do you think the brand of July has changed since COVID, and how you explain it to people? Big, big question. Yeah, we just, we went back to, to
0: luggage. Made in, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> You went back to luggage. <laughs> you know, it. There's a lot of things that change and a lot of things that happen. Yeah, uh, during COVID. And, and look, I think we're in a post-COVID world now. I so, think so. Yeah. So yeah. I, I guess now all we're seeing is is upside, and we're seeing a lot of a lot of desire, a lot of anticipation to just do something else. Hmm. Now, you can bundle that up as travel. It's very easy to, to, to just say that's all travel stuff. But a lot of people are craving more. They're craving new. They're craving experience. They're craving something, a bit of connection, outside of the five, six people they've seen for the last two, three years. So is it travel? Yes. Is it experiences? Yes. And, you know, to, to sort of go down that Airbnb <laughs> brand path line, but... Ultimately, people are wanting new. They want something else. They want to live a little bit. You're finding people now, they're not just, I mean, the, the concept of revenge travel is revenge,
1: is known. Revenge travel. Yeah.
0: revenge travel. Revenge travel means like, you know what, I'm, I am going to travel and I'm spending twice as much in doing that. I'm going to get the good hotel. I'm getting premium economy. Do you know what? I will buy the linen shirt before I go so that I look good on the plane. Yeah, It's like doubling down and okay. to, make, to make up for lost time.
1: Yeah, so it's no longer budget holidays. It's like we go large. Yeah, we go
0: large, but like, you know, it can still be budget, but larger budgets, right? So yeah. like you're, you're still going to Bali, but you're doubling down. Yeah. You know, you got the driver for the day. Yeah. You know, just take me around. Like there's
1: a bit more spend happening in that world. I definitely agree. I mean, looking at Lauren and I as an example, we're going to Europe. We're spending the equivalent in a month of what we spent in 2013 in six months. <laughs> there <you go>. <laughs> that could also be an age thing, but like, do you know what I mean? Like we're we like this is the ne- the one of the f- the next big travel things we're doing because we've had two years of nothing. We want a family We're doubling down. Yeah. yeah, so many millennials are going are going to go through that this this next two years. People people want out. You know they want to do they want to do new things and it might not just be Europe, right? They might go. Uh,
0: you know, like a friend of mine, a friend of mine just bought a four wheel drive. Yeah, with a, lot of local- with a roof rack and a snorkel. And a tent for the roof rack so that he can sleep on it. I've never seen this guy do any of this stuff, but he's bought the, he's bought the stuff. He wants to be that guy. And I've support, I fully support Nick. If you're watching, I fully support you being that guy. So So I want to, I want to be part of that. I want to see him do it. And I want to, I want to see more of that. The people are just doubling down. They, 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 they're trying to break away from the, the personas and the people that they've been,
1: Forced to be for the last couple of years. So, does July ever get into the business of um, competing with Jayco and all those sort of companies and creating like, uh, what do they call them? Like trailers or. We full support. Not yet. We full of support. really <laughs> support.
0: Get into the airline business. Yeah. You know, just do a July plane.
1: Yeah. Could yeah. happen. No, but like a tent. I can
0: see a July tent working. It's funny. We were talking about tents today. Really? There's a really nice tent company. I can't remember the name now, but. Uh, I think they're 25 grand a tent. Jesus fucking Christ. But they're a house. They're a tent. That's a house. Yeah. And you you put it, it's like tiny cabins, but made of canvas.
1: Yeah, right. Jacob's into tiny houses. I remember when uh, we had our wenny down on the peninsula, he hired out a tiny house. That's a big thing. I agree. Like when you look at... We talk about the things that we watch on YouTube regularly and you're a guy that will just watch this engineering channel or this dude. Oh, you remember that? Yeah, 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 yeah. always. Um, I'm pretty sure I'm subbed to him. Uh, and the thing that I've been getting into lately is people who are doing sort of like wilderness, not survivalism, but like let's say it's a guy in Canada, it's winter, and he goes out and camps for like three nights and he just relies on what's around him. Something very calming about that because you, you've been stuck inside around screens for so long. There's a getting away from it all that you just mentioned. And you know he survives because he uploaded the video. <laughs> because he uploaded so the there's video. A, there's a sense of calm knowing like he's
0: going to yeah. make it. He's going to make it. There's okay. something
1: very, I don't know, like the fire, the the being away from it all. The, there's something about that. It's a, it's a beautiful thing. People,
0: yeah. It's nice for people to crave that. And as you see with the demand in Unyoked and uh, Ripper Ride, all these sort of like micro, uh, micro hotel businesses and tiny house businesses that have popped up. Hmm. The demand has just gone through the roof. Like you, they've they've expanded over to New Zealand. Uh, we, I think Broadsheet's gone over as well. So it's you know people
1: are just keen to to do see and eat more. So what are you keen keen to do see and eat more of? Like, how, is there something that you really want to get to over the next year with the family? <sighs> You know, we just
0: did. I mean, we just did U.S. with with Rich. Yep. Uh, you know, work family. That was that was fun. And seeing a bit of that. Singapore a few times. Singapore with with uh, with my partner and, and children yep. uh, to see to see her family, which is, by the way, a um, a Greek colony. It was it was originally founded by a descendant <laughs> of Alexander the Great. So that's right. Yeah, they, they, the, <laughs> the the Singaporeans are Greek in that sense. Uh, where would we want to go? I mean, obvi- the obvious thing is is to go back to Greece and, and you know, I mean, the very Greek thing to say, that to want to do that. Yeah. We had a lot of fun in, in Italy down the Amalfi Coast. I'd love to go back Beautiful. there. But, I mean, there's also a lot of parts of the world I haven't been to. Yeah. And I would love to start exploring things like, you know, I haven't been to Ireland. I would love to go to Iceland, Sweden, Norway, like those, those sort of like colder uh, up north countries I'm, I'm a little bit curious about at the moment. Yeah. I'd love to sort of see more of that. I, just, I think they live quite well. Um, there's, I agree. A, there's a, there's a quote, uh, from a, from a friend who was friends with a guy from there, very, very long connection there, uh, where it's super cold. And he said, there's no such thing as bad weather, just bad gear. Uh-huh. So, you know, you get the right gear, you get the right stuff and, and you can go anywhere in the world. So I wouldn't mind seeing, then exploring a little bit of that. Not just Europe, Not just Europe, you know, but at the same time, my daughter's getting older. I'd love to be able to take her around. I'd love to be able to take her to places. She's still not old enough yet, but, you know, enough to enough to start exploring and seeing things. That'd be quite fun.
1: I, I would highly recommend Northwest Europe. We're doing West Germany to see family and Greece and Cyprus to see family, but we will be going and seeing friends in Copenhagen, Stockholm. Nice. They've all just had kids during COVID, so that will be very, very exciting. I think Copenhagen's one of the best cities in the world, personally. I've never been, but I've heard good things. Yeah, it's a beautiful place. Um, now speaking about travel, and uh, maybe we'll talk briefly about talent because I was just having a conversation this morning with my dad around hiring people and how hard it has been during COVID. It's definitely like it's definitely an employees market, there's no doubt about that. You mentioned before about finding the right people, you've definitely found the right person i think in zoe who just got promoted to gm that's right what's uh what do you admire about her and why why promote her to gm specifically about zoe yeah
0: how biased is that <laughs> <laughs> i think this whole thing was set up so zoe can hear a compliment yeah we compliment zoe all the time yeah. she i mean zoe's amazing uh, she's always been just high energy yeah and uh no matter i think with with not just Zoe but with anybody in a workplace environment that is willing to take on more, that is willing to help others and make the experience of work better for other people at sometimes maybe the sacrifice of your own enjoyment or your own workload mm. is, is a rare thing. It's a special thing and I think everyone should strive for it yep. and it's a beautiful thing that we've found in Zoe who's absolutely selfless, determination strong extremely smart but will always make people feel welcome, yeah. happy, excited to be there. She's
1: definitely got that AR auntie sort of vibe about her. She's
0: amazing. She's the best, you yeah. know. But, like, everyone in the team is the best. They all pull their way. Everyone does well. Yeah. Um. Zoe's just the most organized, so we made sure that she organized everybody at <laughs> yeah. <in> the
1: business. <laughs> so how do you find more people like that in a market like this? You know, is it – because it's a hard thing, right? You put out a job ad, you get – 20, 30 people to reply, but sometimes they're just not aligned with you, have you found a process or, or anything that has allowed you and Rich to really get to the essence of the person without hiring them?
0: The only thing I can say that's helped with hiring is personal reference. Okay. And, and so this, is, this comes down to we like to, we like to think we run a, a, a good business, a good organization, and a healthy one at that when you're working. Mm-hmm. We, we, I mean, we like to think that. the fact that we've had um, I mean, we, did, we didn't have to get rid of anybody during COVID, considering the revenue loss, uh, nobody left uh, considering there wasn't any work, but, but the pay was still there. Mm. We like to think that, that there at least is some cultural uh, cachet still left in the business, and that the founders directly contribute to that because we're there every day. Yeah. And that if you lead from the front, and instill some of those values from day one yourself, that that sort of tr- trickles down to everybody else. And then you obviously hire for the right people who have that kind of cultural influence too. You know, you can't be the only influence in the business that, that drives culture. Yeah. No, you agree. need everybody to, to put in their bit. And, and as the commentary we were saying before is like, it doesn't matter how smart people are. If you feel sick being alone with them for a little bit, or that you don't want to come into work and hang out with them, mm. they're not the right thing.
1: Yeah. I remember having this conversation about Jacob, actually. It was with... (laughs) No, seriously. It was in a good way. It was good because I was speaking to Lewis Spears at the time and I was like to him, dude, we need to hire for this position. What should I do? I've got this guy who's really passionate. Maybe he doesn't have all the skills right this second, but like he, you know, he gets it. And he was like, I can hire him right away. Do you know what I mean? So, uh, and he did the... he he did the exact same thing with his producer, and that actually, Keelan had would have would have had less skills than Jacob. Like he knew nothing about editing, but he just loved the brand, and he got his whole media persona, nice. so to speak. So sometimes it's just that it's like you just know that this person gets it. Yeah, I look, you know, you, you and how do you meet those people? Right,
0: usually people that you know. No good buy people refer- too. Like
1: what you said, by referral.
0: Everyone hangs around kind of similar people. Mm. You know, you hang around with, with smart, talented people. They're going to hang around with smart, talented people. Culturally, you're kind of all within the same remit. You'll f- you end up finding the best people through referral. Mm. We found Zoe through referral. In fact,
1: 90% of the team has all come through How did Zoe get referred? What was the connection there?
0: Uh, he was, a, he was a, an employee at the time. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, and uh, he's no longer with the business. Uh, but he was in, he, he'd referred Zoe, they were
1: friends and he was, she was, she was great from day one. Yeah. Right. There you go. She had a question for us around luggage and, you know, cause when you look at that as a DTC or Ecom product, it's not something that someone's purchasing regularly. Just like, uh, we've had, um, what's his name talk, come in to talk about my high, which is sort of like a four $500 sauna suit. And Yeah. I know the my hire. Yeah. 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 So you see? it's, it's, you know. I like the, the product. Great product. Yeah. I just, I like saunas generally for me, it's a tough game. Very, I hate them. <laughs> I hate them, but infrared sauna I can do. Yeah. Um, I do prefer the being sat in the actual sauna itself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, That being said, similar high value product. How do you think about lifetime value of a customer? How do you develop that to get To make them return buyers, like it—it's a complex, almost theoretical question. But I know for a fact that thinking thinking about myself, let's say I'm a very loyal customer. I buy a July product. Then each time someone needs something in that remit of luggage, uh, I will suggest you've got to buy this July product. And then they'll be like, "Oh, this is a fucking great product." Then they refer it to their friends, et cetera, et cetera. So there's there's that element to them but do you think about the other products that you're potentially going to launch that would mean that I buy more things you know like the carry all or what was I talking about to Zoe about the other day I feel like I was talking to her about a laptop sort of baggy thing like a little briefcase uh, yeah. we were talking about like um, she asked me because I was like oh I've got all this shit that I have to carry like cords and stuff like that and she's like tech kit yeah the tech kit
0: yeah. So I, I mean, th- there is an element of trying to come up with and and trying to deliver our version of things that people want, like deck kits, like backpacks, like other th- other bits and pieces like that. Yeah. Uh, and you know, we like to think we put our sort of design thinking, our travel spin on these products. Ooh, too much wine. <laughs> <laughs> Big night last night. <laughs> so you know, we like to think that we can do those sorts of products with the July lens. Yep. But the lifetime value in product, especially a high ticket item product is not like a SaaS business. Uh, it's not like the razor business or the FMCG business. It's a bit more like the automotive business. Okay. You know, your BMW, you sell somebody a BMW, you're not like, how many hats can we sell this guy? <laughs> You know, it's a convertible. I reckon I can get a hat a year out of this. <laughs> you know, it's not really, you're not thinking like that. Yeah, You're thinking of every customer is a potential advertisement, advocate mm. for the brand. Yeah, They'll spread the word, as you said, so it becomes a network effect there. But then in five years' time when they need something else or, in, you know, when, when a, a new need does pop up, that they've had such a great experience with the one product that they've bought or the set that they've bought, that they then come back and buy something else from us as well. Yeah. So lifetime value, in a sense, is not like a two-year, fifteen hundred dollar. Let's let's try and churn as much as possible. You know, how can we increase that? What are, what other hats can we make for them? It's a little bit less like that, and a little bit more. Well, these guys are promoting the product as much as possible, and in mm-hmm. five years' time, they'll upgrade and get again. They'll get their family to upgrade again. It it continues
1: down that path. Yeah. 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 No, that makes a lot of sense, and I think. Um, it just triggered this memory I have. We've got the book here. It's, I don't know if you've ever read the copy book, like the traditional advertising book. And it's basically like two components, two parts. One is traditional ads and one is the copy that went with the ads. And Like, like the old Volkswagen. Mode. All the old Volkswagen, all the old BMW ads, all that sort of stuff. I've always thought about, I had this debate with people and one of the best examples I've thought about for the podcast was a core brand ad. That you would have if you have a billboard anywhere and what would it be on it for the brand? And I'd be like, probably Punt Road, and it'd probably be like, um, okay, Google or okay, Siri Play Uncommon, and it would just be like the the artwork, so to speak. Um, and a little, you know, device with the quote. That's kind of cool. Um, have you ever had a thought around what that core brand ad would be for July? I mean, tough question. I, I've like done, a mass marketing type thing.
0: I mean, I've done a I've done a hoarding before, like which is like a, a billboard oh, on okay. on front of the store, as really? you as you're building it. Yeah. So as we we're building the store, so it was a massive corner hoarding in Emporium, and so I mean that's a billboard essentially. So it I've is. done one. Right. So I can tell you, I don't know what the answer is. What my dream billboard would be. What did, you, what did you put on that? The billboard that we did there was, was called "Wonderful," but "wonder" as in "wonder," "wonderlust," okay. uh, A W A. Okay, as you know, uh, like you like you wander the world. <laughs> it was wonderful, you know, and, uh, and, and some beautiful photography and, and it got the message across, you know. People were like, that's not how you spell it. Oh, I get it, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I had that funny play on words. Uh, it worked. We got quite a bit of social media hits on that, which is quite nice. Really? Yeah. I like that. But on, on that, you know, my favorites, I'll tell you what my favorites are. And it's always been about hoarding, actually. I love hoarding billboards because they're not as, they're not as special. Hoarding billboards, uh, you can get a little bit more creative with. In the sense that like their shop builds, they're essentially like small format billboards. And um, one of the best ones that I've seen was, uh, was Adrian Zumbo, the guy that makes the little macarons. Yeah. And he put all his negative reviews on the hoarding, like overpriced, one star, Uh, (laughs) (laughs) this guy, this guy, this guy's an idiot. He thinks, you know, he thinks he's God's gift to, to desserts. Like he basically put all these negative reviews up, which was absolutely hilarious. And what, what, like, did you see the responses on social? Or was it just that you love that? You just love it and you, you laugh at it and you're like, this guy's got guts and this this is really funny, you know?
1: And it makes you want to try the, the product. What do you think about that? When you saw that as a consumer, what what was the first thing you thought? You're like, Okay, Clearly, this guy of... doesn't care. This guy just doesn't care. He's so confident about the product. That's what I'm thinking about. This. I'm like, is he that confident in the product, and and just sort of externalizing that fact? Yeah, it's it's quite funny,
0: you know. But it, I mean, it cut through. It's all about
1: cut through, right? You want people to be like, "Oh, well, what's going on here? Let's let's have a look." Mm. And uh, if you get that cut through, uh, then it's all worth it, right? It's exactly, yeah, it's yeah. exactly that. Cut through is everything, and I say that to so many brands, and they just want to stay in their lane all the time. That's the hardest part. This job is convincing and but you already know that, right? Having been in the strategy game, pitch someone something and they're like, "Oh no, nah, we're not going to do that." I think it was a three percent strike rate from idea to execution. Yeah, it's fucking annoying. Now, um, we were talking before about talent squeeze. Let's just briefly touch on supply chain. What do you reckon was the highest cost you paid for a container in the last two years? Twenty-two grand. Fucking hell. Where was when there used from, to be four or five, I think. What was, from what port to what port?
0: That would have been, that's from, it would have been from um, just out
1: of Shanghai, Nimbo, into, yep. into Melbourne. Into Melbourne. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Well, is, it, is it still, it's truly not that high at the moment?
0: I mean, I'm not, I'm not on the pulse with like container, container costs every day, but they're still pretty
1: high. <clears throat> They're still high. I've seen data around the amount of ships sitting out of Shanghai and Shenzhen at the moment, but it's not as bad as what that was.
0: It's, it's a global thing. You know, everyone's raising their prices. You'll see um, at the major supermarkets now, all the prices have gone up around 10 to 15%. We've just raised our prices around 10 to 15%. Yeah. A lot, uh, a lot of things out of stock. lot of things out of stock, just across the board, across Australia, yeah, yeah, you, you across don't the- realize how much relies on shipping containers, how much relies on petrol.
1: How much relies on fuel? Those two things are contributing to price increases. It's it's wild. When I do my shopping at the moment, there's two or three items that I just cannot get. Cannot get smoked salmon. I have smoked salmon every lunch. You're right. <laughs> I didn't realize it was a, uh, a salmon <laughs> I have not been yeah. out at a supermarket. You can get it at the market, but at a supermarket, God. not been able to find smoked salmon for probably a month. Um, things like random things like egg whites, a lot of the health food stuff. The health food section is just gone. It's just yep. empty. Yeah, um, Yeah. you have random stuff in the veggie section, which is completely gone. I was in Coles the other day, and there was just no carrots, nothing. There you go. I'm just like, okay, fine. Stuff's running out, man. Yeah. Stuff's running out. Shit runs out. Particularly if you get there later in the day, because I'll be doing, I'll be grabbing stuff on the way from home at like seven or eight. And uh, yeah, it's just completely empty. Fuel's expensive. Like that stuff, there's all fuel because it's trucking. You reckon? Yeah, it's, yeah. yeah, yeah. It's less about yeah, shipping
0: containers. Smoke
1: salmon is. It's all coming
0: from Tassie. Yeah, it's all fuel based. So when you when you truck things, uh, things just get super super expensive. Mm. Um, like you've literally doubled the cost of your of moving your goods. Yeah, from one place to the other. And Australia has run on trucks in particular. Australia runs on trucks. Mm. So um, you know, the only time you're not using a truck is when you go from Uh, east to west coast where you're using a train for most Mm. of it.
1: Which is kind of odd, don't you think? I mean, the amount of container ships that come from Asia to Australia and then they're empty on the way back. Don't you think that's a bit odd that there's not an opportunity there from major city to major city for transporting goods at least at the moment? I mean, you're in the wrong business. I think you it's time
0: to switch over, <laughs> take on take on Elon mm. in the in the in the B two B
1: transportation. Game. I'm okay. I'm good. Uh, what what's? I guess there's a question that's arisen quite a few times of people. What has changed? At least with you and Rich, what has changed? And Rich is probably the main guy who drives a lot of this, is perspective around manufacturing. Have you guys sat down at times and go, fuck, we need to be making more stuff locally or in other markets or we need to change the way that we do something? How much has that changed in the last 12 months because of everything going on with COVID? We try. We try new
0: things all the time. We try to do local manufacturing for some products. Yeah. The cost is just through the roof. Labor is just, the just labor. through the roof. It's just way too high. And there's not much you can do around that. It's not like you don't want to pay the wages. It's, it has nothing to do with that. It's that by the end of the output, you're left with a $500 product that most people are only comfortable paying $100 for. Mm. That's the difference. If I was to try and sell you a, let's say, let's talk about like a leather wallet. If I was to try and sell you a leather wallet, I'd maybe get away with $100, 150 Absolute maximum two hundred, because after that you're hitting luxury brand status. yeah you're sort of at the four five hundred mark you're hitting, you could be getting any brand, any luxury brand wallet. to make to to have somebody in Australia manufacture a high quality leather wallet, one it's it's more expensive to import the leather. to the labour to get that high skill labour in order to get the quality that you're looking for is phenomenal. It's phenomenally high to pay for. So, your, your end result is that you've got an extremely expensive product that nobody will buy.
1: Yeah.
0: So, even if you go down that path, which we attempted to do, you're, you're, the result is something that won't have any shelf life. You can't survive on it, it won't grow, you can't export it. It's, it's a really, really tough market to do. So, mm. So, I mean, I think your question is more around diversification out of China as opposed to um, manufacturing in Australia. You, you've got to sort of diversify out in terms of not just have one thing mm. do everything. Yeah. Uh, and that's with, that's with any category, that's with any business. You can't rely on one nation, one factory, you know, one marketing channel. You, you need to diversify to pad yourself out. China goes into lockdown, manufacturing stops for half the world. So it's important to have a baseline in Indonesia. It's important to have maybe start manufacturing in Europe to start the processes
1: to get to a point where your your risk is split, your risk yeah. is diversified. But I'm just surprised that that means it's still not possible here. I guess it comes. It all comes down to labor cost. Yeah, it's labor cost,
0: and it's a, and it's skilled labor as well. So you just can't get anybody to come and sew or to to put the pieces together. You really need skilled labor. And so we've got less of the skilled labor. But you couldn't, what if you train those people? Yeah, sure. If you've got a couple of years under your belt and you're making product for them to be able to train on. So one, we don't have the, we don't have the brands willing to do that for a couple of years to train people. Two, this idea of training somebody and having them stay with you for a long period of time doesn't really exist anymore, especially in manufacturing.
1: Mm.
0: We don't have a manufacturing industry in Australia anymore outside of primary produce. So you're in, this, you're in this position where, and, and not only that, all the talented people in the manufacturing space, which were our grandparents back in the day who were, who were um, you know seamstresses, they were uh, people who knew how to do the technical detail around sewing and welding and things like that, they've, they've all gone. Uh, they've all retired, they're all too old and they haven't passed on those skills. Those skills have, have depleted, they've gone somewhere else. And so in, even in Asia now, those peop- people's kids don't want to do that work. Mm. So that skill's lost there too. So the next spot will have to be, you know, I mean, Vietnam's still passing on the, the trade, which is great. Um, you're still finding it in Indonesia. Africa doesn't have the, the, the high quality skill or the legacy, but they're, they're getting there. Uh, some countries in Africa, in Africa. Uh, and, but you're still finding places in like Eastern, Eastern Europe. Who can still yeah. produce? You know, Portugal's still still a strong production hub. Like anyway, there's parts in the world that are still maintaining it, but you know, we focus on Australia. We just we don't have the we don't have the talent. the The talent that is there is expensive. Getting the materials and getting the the level of quality in the materials is still extremely high cost. Hmm. And then the market demand just isn't there to pay for the final
1: result. Hmm. Yeah, it's it makes me think that more and more of what we do, manufacturing wise, is going to be about high value manufacturing, people say that and they think it's oh, it's just, we're making computers and shit like that. Uh, the way I interpret it is like, you're spending more on the conveyor belt than you are on the people, if that makes sense. Like you're, yeah. you're, it's more robotics. It's more automated devices that, you know, if I think about my dad's business, it auto collates pieces of paper, which are then just lifted by a person or they go directly into the box as opposed to being done on a bench where it's ch- 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 that sort of stuff. Yeah. yeah. So I don't know.
0: It's it still, it fascinates me. It's, it's crazy, you know, and then like on the other side, on the flip side of it where wages are cheaper in America and you look at yeah. Amazon who arguably have some of the best tech in fulfillment in the world, their scalable resources, you know, employees that can be, they could ultimately be abused. Like at the end of the day, they're working for nothing for extremely long hours. He's built a great business over it, but that's the scalable, that's their scalable solution. That's why mm. there's so many issues over there. Yeah. With, with in particular, with, uh, with the workers trying to unionize because they just, it's just crazy. It's just, just absolutely- what they're paying them like 10, 12 bucks an hour. So it doesn't matter. I guess my point is, it doesn't matter how much tech and money you have. Mm. Your, your scalable solution is can we just pay these people nothing?
1: That's the answer at the end of the day. yeah. Yeah. Uh, Have you seen any of those docos on places like Amazon where they basically just, they're, they're getting um, undocumented uh, migrants or um, like a heavy emphasis on the Latino community and getting them, they get them in, they pick them up in trucks or vans and stuff like that. And you know, you're basically just working on a day's basis. You don't have a contract, 10 bucks, 13 bucks an hour, maximum. Uh, if you take a bathroom break, that's like docked off your pay. Like it's just wild. Yeah. We're very lucky here. We are very lucky, but it means we can't make extra stuff. It means you can't get an australian made wallet for a yeah. hundred bucks. We just need to, I don't know, make some robots. Um, all right. Before we get into some quick follow up, quick rapid fire questions, let's call it. <coughs> yeah. Um, how many of these sort of interviews have you done since mid last year? Zero. Really? Zero. I don't. Really? I haven't done any
0: of these things. This is my first one. This is sort of like me warming up. I haven't. Uh, nice. I've done a couple of. Um. I've I've done a couple of phone interviews. Okay. At the beginning for the U.S. press release. Yep. But I haven't actually done any podcasts. Haven't done any 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 formal interviews.
1: Not, of of not those much. interviews, what didn't they ask you that you wish you could have talked about? What didn't they ask me yeah. that I wish I could have talked about? Yeah. Because, you know,
0: My you... dreams and aspirations yeah. to be a uh, dolphin trainer.
1: Yeah. Is that true? <laughs> That's not true at all.
0: <laughs> Look, at, at the end of the day, you know, we're, we're just extremely wrapped that you know, Rich and I have started this business and we had a super tough time in the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. And we're just really glad to have been out of that. You're just glad to be through it. We're glad to be through. You, not everybody survives these things. Yeah, and not me uh, we, especially in the travel game, if you worked in hospitality or if you worked in gyms and, and health and fitness, it's a t- it was a tough time. A lot of people made a lot of money during COVID, a lot of people that didn't. Mm. A lot of people that didn't make it through. So, you know, we're just, we're just happy to be here.
1: Nice. I like it. Um, all right. Rapid fire to finish things off. What's in the fridge at the moment?
0: You know, I'm really into Philadelphia cream cheese at the okay. moment. Really you, into it. Just on toast. Just on toast. Yeah. My daughter started eating it with Vegemite, like Vegemite and cream cheese together oh, on I toast. Feel like it kind of work. It works really, really well. And
1: and I haven't eaten cream cheese in maybe ten years. Yeah, it's delicious. Cream cheese with some salmon on toast is fucking amazing. Beautiful. Um, any other like go-to items in the fridge? <laughs> <laughs> Uh,
0: any other go-to items? The Meredith goat's cheese with the dill in it. It's like a, it's like a dill chevre. Beautiful. Yeah, it's really, really nice. Um, and so instead of instead of chopping up your usual feta with your salad, sprinkle on a little bit of like feta dill, like chevre dill.
1: Okay, and this is because you're not trying to, you know, put 30 too much liters of, oil like yeah, of oil. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> trying to keep it lean. Um, all right. In the last year. What have you purchased under two hundred dollars that's I don't know most positive impact that you've enjoyed the most, anything that really springs to mind? Sub two hundred bucks that I've enjoyed the most? Yeah Oof. July packing sale. <laughs> two
0: hundred and one yeah. dollars. <clears throat> what I, I don't even know what I purchased in the, in the last, uh, in the last, what is it year, is it? Last year. What have I purchased in the last year? It's brought me the most amount of joy. Uh, I would say that I have, what a, what a, what a, lady really tough question. Probably a gym membership. Okay. I think a gym membership has probably been the best thing i bought under 200 bucks. Yeah. Uh, Or a couple of sessions there that that sort of got me.
1: Where are you going? What's your gym?
0: Oxbox. Jason, the trainer there at Oxbox. Yeah. Rockstar. Oxbox. The Oxbox. Where is that? Collingwood. Where else? I tell you what, you know, obviously gym memberships are more expensive than that, but the first couple of sessions were trials, and is what got me back into it.
1: Yeah. I would say my best purchase, honestly, in the last year has been similar, but it's not for a gym. It's for a bouldering place. Like Mm. it's the first time ever in my life where I've felt (coughs) genuinely stoked about exercising regularly. Nice. So That's what you want. That's what Uh, you want. Yeah. Yeah. Hanging out with ripped Asians. That's what it's about. Yeah. Endorphins. Endorphins going on. (laughs) Endorphins, climbing fucking fake rocks, falling off. (laughs) It was so funny. The other day I was there with Lauren. Maybe two weeks ago we walk in, you got two sections. You've got the main section. It's like converted warehouse on the left. You've got the other section. It's clearly like a roller door that used to be there. And it's all like a there was like a not a blanket, but like a an emergency sort of looking type blanket thing that they'd pulled up, like a tarp. <laughs> We're like, fuck, is someone dead? Like what a way to come into this place. But some dude had fallen off at like the top point and busted his ankle when he fell down. No. So, not a good start. That was Lauren's initiation to going to <laughs> yeah. Blockhouse in Port Baldwin. <laughs> but look, man, they make you sign a waiver when you, you go there. It's sort of part not of the course. It's not their fault. Um, Ethan, where can people find you on the interwebs? Where can they find July? Uh, well, you can find me on Twitter. I'm at 8th, A- A-T-H.
0: Uh, you can find July on everywhere at, at July or july.com. Mm-hmm. And, uh, or you can just SMS me. Yeah. Ask Jordan for my number.
1: <laughs> okay. Oh. Thanks for coming in. Thanks for having me, man. Thank you so much for checking out this episode. If you liked it, do subscribe. And of course, like it on YouTube if you're watching as well. We'd really appreciate that. For audio, if you have not already listening on your podcast app, you can search for it on any good app, including Spotify, Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, etc. For video, if you're not watching, you can search Uncommon Podcasts on YouTube. It's the first one that appears every single time. For behind the scenes, do follow us on Instagram and TikTok. It's at uncommon underscore show. But until next time, thanks for tuning in.